What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode. First, thank you so much for the great feedback for those of you who got my Christmas planner. It's so nice to get feedback. So thank you for taking the time to give it to me. And I'm so glad some of you are using it. It makes such a difference to be organized and have a calm and fun Christmas. If you haven't got it yet and want it, you can get it on my website, dreamlifestartshere.com. Today, I'm talking to the inspiring Lee Holmes, who is the founder of Supercharged Food and is a clinical nutritionist and a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher and have written either nine or 11 cookbooks. As you may know by now, I love cookbooks and I love yoga and meditation and nutrition. So this is my kind of a dream conversation. And on top of this, Lee is such a lovely person. I think you will love this episode as much as I did. So let's dive right into it. Hi, Lee, and welcome to my podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited. You've been on my list for a long time. I have all your cookbooks and I spend a lot of time actually looking at cookbooks, not always cooking from them, but I get so much inspiration. So thank you for putting so much effort and they're always so beautiful, healthy and everything you can ask for. So thank you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So before we jump in, I I particularly wanted you to um, come on this time of year because a lot of people seem to overeat over the festive season and, you know, not feeling so good. So I want to talk a lot about that. But before we jump into that, can you please share with our listeners, we have listeners all over the world, so not everyone might know about you or your journey. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So I work as a clinical nutritionist now and I have a blog called superchargedfood.com where I do share a lot of recipes and inspiration for cooking. But I guess it stemmed from a situation that I had about 10, more than 10 years ago, probably about 12 years ago now, where I woke up one day, I was a single mom and I was working at the ABC in Sydney with the Wiggles and Bananas in Pyjamas working in the kitchen. 
music department. And I woke up one day and I, I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was so tired and my hair started to fall out. So I would wake up and find these clumps of hair on the pillow. And, and then I was covered in hives. I don't know if you've ever had hives before, but they're super, super itchy. And I felt like I was very inflamed and I lost a lot of weight. In the space of about a month, I lost about 12 kilos. So I went down to about 40 something kilos, which wasn't great. And I kept on pushing myself. I wasn't really listening to my body. And I kept on going to work and pushing myself until eventually I I literally couldn't get out of bed. And I went to the doctors and went through what I found to be quite a complex medical system because it was here in Sydney. And I was kind of just going from doctor to doctor, lots of tests, lots of needles, lots of scans. And they didn't really get to the bottom of it for a while. So it took a while to get to the bottom of it. And then eventually they said to me that I had a non-specific autoimmune problem, which since eight years later has been diagnosed as Crohn's disease and also something called fibromyalgia, which is an arthritic type condition where you feel really stiff and achy. And so you wake up and you feel like you're 90 years old because you can't kind of move, you're really stiff and achy. And so from there I was kept in hospital and put on a concoction of different drugs, immunosuppressants, anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, about 20 pills a day I had to take until I said to the doctors, do you think it has anything to do with my diet? Because I realized that when I ate certain things, I would break out in the hives and I'd be really itchy and my tummy would be hurting. And the doctor said, no, no, absolutely nothing to do with food or diet whatsoever, which I found quite interesting, you know, at the time. And so from there, I started to really think about maybe it was something to do with my gut. And I got really interested in gut health and I started cooking and developing really, really simple recipes. And I started a little blog and put the recipes up there for people to share. And it was really, really amazing because for some reason, I know Facebook had just started and I was meeting really interesting people from all over the world. They were connecting with me through social media and through the blog and saying to me that that was their exact story. They felt really tired. They woke up. They didn't know what was wrong. They were put on steroids. They blew up like the Michelin man. And so I started to build a really beautiful community of very like-minded people who had realized that maybe diet does make a difference to health. And yeah, that's kind of how I started my blog, superchargefood.com. And then I actually studied clinical nutrition so I could be a practitioner and really learn a lot more about the gut and um, about nutrition. So that's kind of how I got started. There's so much more uh, compared to when you started, obviously, with the with gut health and how that's affecting all of us in so in so many ways. Can you talk a little bit about, I think you speak about the four phases of gut health for someone who might not know much about it yet? Yeah, sure. So when I was really sick and I had gone home and I started cooking those very simple recipes, I kind of intrinsically knew that a lot of foods were triggering me, especially things like MSG and a lot of the preservatives and additives that they put in foods. And so I started to eat really, really simply. So for four weeks, the first stage was me taking all those trigger foods out. And for some people, the trigger foods might be healthy foods like garlic that make you bloated or onion. And I started to notice once I took out a lot of the additives and processed foods and MSG that things started to settle down a bit. And my gut was then able to kind of restore itself, just having a very simple kind of elemental diet. Obviously, I couldn't stay on that forever. So I started to, the phase two was really about 
I'd taken a lot of this um, pharmaceutical medication. So it was really about learning how to sort of cleanse a little bit my body. And I did go to India, actually, and I went to study Ayurveda, which is the ancient medical system of India. And I learned a lot of these. Some of them were a bit out there, Christina, um, crazy detox things. So one of them was oil pulling. So I would take coconut oil and swish it around in my mouth for 15 minutes because they say that the gut and mouth are very connected and your mouth holds bacteria, which is related to the gut. Um, So I did that and I did tongue scraping as well where you scrape your tongue every day. I did dry body brushing. I tried all these kind of interesting sort of detox methods and I stayed on a quite a clean diet as well. And I slowly started to wean off the medication and really after about a period of, a year, I felt so much better. And then I was doing a lot more study and research into gut health. So stage three was about thinking about how I could rebuild my microbiome and rebuild my gut so that it would be healthy again. Because, you know, obviously we have a gut immune system and your gut immune system is really connected to a lot of other systems in the body. It can affect your emotions as well and your mood. Um, and it talks to your good flora in the gut. So I wanted to create a sort of healthy, healthier diet where I would be eating foods that would really rebalance my microbiome. So that was things like eating more fermented foods, eating more probiotic-rich foods, kimchi and sauerkraut and yogurt and things like that. And then also eating more fiber-rich foods as well to get everything moving. So I kind of had a system where I would repopulate the gut. And then after that, phase four was really about looking at health more holistically and looking at ways that you can love and nurture yourself. So I actually studied to become a yoga and meditation teacher. And I integrated a lot of that because I I did speak to many, many doctors. I I ran a summit, a, a lot of really interesting gut doctors and scientists around the world. And they said, one of the key things that they all agreed on was that stress and anxiety has a big impact on your gut health as well. So it isn't just about the foods you eat. It's also about your thoughts and it's also about, you know, how you're feeling and stress and anxiety. So, yeah, so I kind of put it all together and that's my four stages of healing the gut. Mm, I love that. You know, it's funny. A lot of people laugh at me when I say that I do oil pulling, but that's part of my everyday. Like I do it without, without thinking. And um, I love, I've read a lot about Ayurveda. I'm fascinated by it. And I think it's kind of common sense in so many ways. For someone who don't know where to start with their gut health, like what are the symptoms um, that people can look for that might have roots in um, in gut health and if they have that where, where should they start because I sometimes think that there's just so much information from so many different point of views but when I read your things it just feels very simple and really achievable for most people who are just starting out. Yes I think simple is al- always best. I guess that if you are suffering from gut health issues some of the things that you might discover are you might feel tired after eating so you eat a meal and you instantly you know you kind of feel really tired afterwards your skin might break out you might feel itchy you might get a rash um, over your skin you might have pain in your gut you might get a bit of bloating also you might be too regular or not not regular enough so some a lot of those things are very normalized don't you think like people think it's okay to have lots of gas and pain and tired after eating but you can really really um, improve your gut health and it you can do that in very simple ways 
what should they start removing? Are there something specific? Like I know that I have a lot of coffee lovers listening here because I often post about coffee because I do love coffee. <laughs> um, what, what kind of things should they start removing if they are not sure where to start? I mean, some of the main things that contribute to um, the imbalance of flora in the gut, obviously the first one is taking antibiotics that can really kind of mess up the balance of your good and bad bacteria. Smoking is another one. If anyone smokes coffee, it, it is good to keep you regular. So one coffee a day is totally fine. But if you're having too many coffees a day, it is quite taxing on the adrenals. And and a lot of coffee is chemically ridden. So you have to think about, you know, the way that you um, absorb and assimilate that as well into your body. Really, really high fatty foods are probably not so good for the gut because it slows down digestion as well. And some people even find like eating raw foods, like I know salads are very healthy, but raw foods can be quite hard on the gut and hard to digest, especially for people with sensitive guts and nuts and things like that can be hard too. So really it is very individualized. It's really about working out what your trigger foods are and then slowly kind of taking them out and see if you feel better. And even just doing very gentle foods a couple of days a week, I find this really helps. So if I've overindulged and had a lot of raw food, a lot of things that I've got a bit of bloating or what have you, the next day I'll just stick to simple soups, cooked foods, smoothies even as well. I know they're raw, but they're sort of blended they're pre-digested and they're easier on the gut. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I love your simple philosophy of food. Um, you listed in your Supercharge, your life cookbook. Can you share some of your philosophies with everyone listening? Yeah, sure. They are um, simple philosophies. I guess one of the main ones, and when I did interview a lot of the, the big doctors and scientists around the world, the one diet that they all kind of agreed on was the healthiest one was the Mediterranean style diet. So if you look at that, it's um, eating mostly plants, like a, a lot of plants, if you can, a little bit of fish, fresh kind of seasonal, emphasizing seasonal is good as well. When you think about it, um, I don't know if you agree with this, but I find, you know, I think nature really tells us and guides us into eating. If you think about the berries, all the berries in the summer and root veggies in the winter, if you kind of tune into nature and the seasons and really tune into that, then it, it kind of works, don't you think, for your own body? Obviously, you know, the holidays coming up and what have you, portion control is um, something that's sort of balancing out your eating. And if you do overindulge, then just, you know, kind of pulling it back the next day. And choosing sort of real food and quality over quantity. So sometimes when you're craving foods, it's actually that you're lacking nutrition. So really, if you think about colors on your plate, a multitude of colors, fresh kind of foods, if you're eating that, then you will feel nutritionally fulfilled. So that's always really good. And like you mentioned before, Ayurveda is just a really interesting and simple approach. And really all that is, is just tuning into your body, working out your constitution, eating and living according to that. Yeah. I don't really buy a lot of things packaged, but having kids who sometimes want to bring snacks uh, to school, I often get really frustrated when I see things packaged in our pantry. But what are some good um, uh, snacks? Because I've spoken to quite a lot of parents and I think that's where most of us get a little bit stuck if we don't have a lot of time to um you know, do all the things. Obviously, your cookbooks are full of amazing ideas, but sometimes difficult to do it all. So what are some great snacks, not just for kids, but for anyone who needs some some good snacks between meals? 
Yeah, some good snacks. Well, protein is always really good to have between meals because it keeps your energy full and vibing. And so maybe some tuna, avocado mixed in. I, I often do that. Just get tuna and avocado and a bit of lemon and just mix it all up and together. I sometimes put a little bit of a raw garlic clove in there as well. Maybe not for kids, but that's a really good one. I guess for kids, things like you can get natural popcorn, which is good that they like, trail mixes if you can make them. I know some of the schools are nut free. So using more kind of seeds is good as well. I make nori rolls quite a lot. So I just get, you know, the seaweed squares and then just fill them with whatever I have in the um, cupboard. So I do that as well. Nori rolls, celery and peanut butter and raisins and things like that. Fruit is always, you know, always really good, but they don't always want to have fruit. So sometimes um, making a little smoothie up so that they can take it with them is good. Protein is very good for them. It's really good for their concentration as well. Yeah, some really good ones there. My kids love um, smoothies as well, and they they actually uh, since they were really young, I've always served them frozen berries, and it's funny because they still eat <laughs> eat that. I actually really like frozen berries too. Sometimes I just get some yogurt. One of my favorite things to do is get some yogurt, and I'll get some peanut butter, and I'll just stir it through the yogurt. Then I'll put a few nibs and frozen berries in there and the berries kind of thaw a little bit and they swirl through the yogurt and it's really yummy i love peanut butter so um that's something i'm definitely going to try so thank you for sharing that what's your uh, go-to recipe when you're busy actually lately i've been doing a lot of wraps because i'm growing my own at the moment so i'm growing a lot of leaves and i'm growing five types of lettuces. I'm growing zucchinis. I'm growing carrots. I'm growing just a whole bunch of stuff. I've just started growing because I've moved house. I've just been um, setting up. I've got veggie pods and they're really easy to use. So I've been throwing all the greens and colors into a wrap and having some feta cheese with it or goat's cheese with it and some hummus and a bit of homemade pesto. So with what I grow, I make really nice pestos as well. So I'll do a rocket. I've got lots of rocket at the moment. It's going really well. So rocket, parsley, coriander, and I'll put that in with either pine nuts or any kind of nuts that I've got, a bit of olive oil, some nutritional yeast, or you can use a bit of parmesan if you want to, and um, a little bit of garlic and some lemon rind. Whiz that up and I just use that on wraps and it's just a really beautiful flavour with all of that together. So for those who are not have green thumbs <laughs> in terms of gardening, I guess we all can do herbs because that's one thing that I, I, I do. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a great gardener, but um, th- that sounds amazing. Yes. Even if you, you know, live in an apartment or you have a limited space, I think herbs are really easy to grow. Some of the ones that I've found easy to grow Basil's going really, really well at the moment. Rosemary's easy to grow as well. Parsley is really easy to grow. Chives are easy to grow. Things like coriander are a little bit harder to grow, I have found personally. I think a lot of people talk about that as well. However, I have a little bit of coriander, but it's not going as well as any of the others. It's quite a temperamental thing to grow. So if you're starting off, I think basil's a really nice one because then you can obviously make your pesto with basil. You can pop that on pizzas. It's really yummy. It's a really beautiful ingredient, basil. I love it. And it's good for the gut, antihistamine rich. It's really lovely. I think herbs just make such a difference to any meal. I just I, I just love herbs. Being Swedish, we use a lot of dill. And every time I put that on something, people just like, oh, that just sounds amazing. It's just very simple dill. <laughs> but it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. 
it's really beautiful and you don't really think about dill so much but then, and then when you eat it you're like what is this this is really good <laughs> yeah absolutely especially with smoked salmon and you know eggs in the morning i absolutely love basil i love tomato so i often do just an olive oil it's just so nice I love in your book that you have a section about the lost connection of mealtimes in your Supercharge Your Life book. That's something that I find really important and sometimes really shocks me that family don't do that because I think that's so important. And we often talk over dinner sharing our four Gs and that is like one thing you're grateful for, goal for tomorrow, uh, one good thing that happened today and the gram of the day, meaning visual, a photo. And it's a beautiful way of talking and, um, and sometimes also a learn as well what can people do to kind of get back to that even if it's just you know a few times a week versus every day yeah I mean I I totally agree with you it is really important I remember when I was growing up at like you know six o'clock it was dinner time there was no mobile phones or distractions and so we would have to be at the table you know at six and we would be communicating with each other and these days it's a little bit different because I think that you know, with the modern family, mum's working as well, and it, it can be um, a bit harder for people to get together all at the same time. And, you know, some people, one person's eating in the bedroom, the other one's eating in front of the TV. So having that one centralised meal, even if, like you say, even if it's a couple of times a week, is really good for communication and, and getting, I don't know, it's just really, it brings everyone back together again. And, and it's nice to try and do it without you know, a laptop on the table or the TV in the background and just really, like you say, you know, communicate about your, I like that idea of the four Gs. That's really good. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, so I guess it's just, you know, making a set time, even if it's once or twice a week to for everyone to be there at a certain time and even just cooking together if you've got a family and the kids like cooking, that's also really nice to do together as well and then eat together so you have, you know, more of a talking point as well. So I definitely believe in the lost art of uh, mealtimes and think it's very important moving forward. Yeah, and especially in today's distracting world where, you know, there's always something taking our attention I I just yeah I just find it's really important especially with kids because they're on screen so much anyway and having noise you know I turn everything off except sometimes music but it just makes makes it so much nicer but I also like it really quiet so I know that's not for everyone but I I couldn't imagine having tv on obviously there's some things you know if you want if there's a sport event that special occasion thing but never never every day I like to have it together it makes such a difference I think as a family to connect at least once a day to have that connection and and it's funny because um, you might even find out things that you didn't even know about the person or the the relative or your um, son or daughter or you know what I mean like the interesting things happen when you take away all the distractions Absolutely. And when we do the 4Gs, we do that even when people come for dinner and people love it because we often talk about things that we don't know about each other because we often don't take time to think what we're grateful for or maybe we do, but we don't share it with others. So it's a really nice thing to do. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to do. I agree. So uh, with the festive season coming up, most people overdo it with food, drinks, sweet things. How can we get a balanced approach of fun and, you know, obviously traditional food and do all the traditions that we do, but at the same time looking after our health? I think really it is about also enjoying food as well. You don't want... 
it's almost um, worse to not eat eat the piece of pizza and feel really anxious about it. You, you're better off eating the piece of pizza and not worrying about it and enjoying it. But I think, you know, it is about portion control if you want a more balanced thing and just opting for bright colours, fresh kind of foods if you can. Yeah, I think it's just about being a bit more mindful during the holidays, but also enjoying yourself as well. So there is a there is a balance to it. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about mindful eating. What does that mean? And what does what what do we do to m- eat mindfully? Um, well, I learned a lot about this when I was in India um, studying Ayurveda, and I guess when you look at mindful eating, it's just about drawing your awareness and attention to that present moment and what you're doing. And you know, we were talking about growing your own. It's really lovely to be able to make a meal with love and then eat it and think about, you know, you've grown it yourself, where it's come from, thinking about what it tastes like, how it feels when you eat it, how how you know how it feels after you've eaten it, and just being a lot more sort of in the moment and present with it. And it's actually um, scientifically proven that it's actually better for digestion when you're chewing it a little bit more and you're eating slowly and you're just mindfully really enjoying and thinking about it. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell mindful eating and I think it is definitely better for your health. Absolutely, and not being distracted. And um, I'm guilty of sometimes eating at my desk <laughs> and doing. Uh, and I think um, a lot of people are. And um, it's a it's it just makes such a difference. It's even just for a few minutes to go. And with everyone working from home, it's perhaps a little bit easier now to just go for ten minutes and sit outside or, or um, you know, go away from screens just for a few minutes. I I think that's really important. It makes it makes a big difference once you've finished eating it's really good for digestion to go for a little walk um just get things moving so that's also very good i'm guilty of that eating at my desk sometimes but i always try and do a little walk or even just walk around the block afterwards so yeah yeah absolutely i i love walking as well for anyone who's kind of new to Oveda, what what are your like starting tips for for someone who wants to maybe learn more but also do it like what are the few things that we can do to kind of go to more that um that kind of lifestyle that style yeah that lifestyle there are a lot of quizzes online so as i mentioned before ayurveda is about eating towards your constitution and so you can go online i have a book on ayurveda called eat right for your shape as well but you can go online and you can find a quiz and it's it's a lot of different questions some of them are about your physical appearance some of them are about your behaviors some of them are about whether you're an angrier type person or a more gentle, chilled out, you know, you're at the traffic lights and someone's beeping you, how you react in those situations. And so that all gives a picture towards what kind of constitution you are. And there are three different constitutions. There's Vata, Pitta and Kapha. So Vata is more like more of a flighty kind of airy kind of personality and grounding foods are really, really good for you. So just thinking about foods that ground you like um, slow cooking, cooked foods, casseroles, those kinds of things. The second one is Pitta and that's more of the fiery kind of personality and cooling foods uh, are really good for, for Pittas. So things that really um, like cucumber and smoothies and and ice cream and yogurt and things like that. And then the third sort of constitution is called kapha, and that is more of a heavy kind of set, slow-moving person who foods that speed up your metabolism are really good. So things like chili, spices, um, Indian foods, curries, things like that are really good 
um, for it's almost like it's they say like increases like so you're eating towards your constitution so that you can balance it out and it's not just eating either Ayurveda also includes things like warm oil massages herbs taking particular herbs as well and and doing yoga and meditation so some of the poses for example if you're a vata you want to be doing like warrior pose and grounding pose if you're doing pitta you don't want to be doing too many sun salutations because you're just going up and down and creating heat so there's all there's a different kind of way to live according to your constitution and it's really interesting and you can make it as simple as possible it's also about eating seasonally so that's one of the first things that you could try and do you know when you're starting off with ayurveda Mm, I love that. I'm a Vata and I love warm food. I always feel the cold. So I eat a lot of dals and you have some really beautiful recipes um, for dal on your blog. So for anyone who wants some inspiration can go and have a look. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm a Vata as well. And that's why I have so many dal recipes and grounding recipes. And I think as you age as well, in, in when you're a baby and younger, you're in the kapha kind of state. And then you're, um, when when you're sort of older, like middle um, tw- 20s and up, you're more sort of pitta with the fire and then you go into the vata stage and then you go back to kapha again. So throughout your life you might change the way that you want to sort of eat and the things that you're drawn towards. Yeah, makes complete sense. Was that Ayurveda that got you into then do a yoga and meditation teacher? It's on my, on my dreams to uh, become a yoga teacher and also a meditation teacher, so very very inspiring to see that you've done that. I did it here. I studied in Sydney, but then I also um, studied in India as well. And in terms of the meditation, I did learn to be a meditation teacher, but I've since actually really been delving more into Vedic meditation and I absolutely love it. I do it every single day. And that what I love about Vedic meditation is that it's not really about stopping your thoughts or having to sit, you know, cross-legged like a pretzel on the ground. You can do it in bed. You can do it in a comfortable situation. And it's really just about closing down the eyes and you have a mantra that you're repeating. And during the fact that you're focusing on that mantra, things automatically and naturally just come up for you and you just let them be. You just kind of sit with them and it helps to heal any of traumas or things that have happened. It's really miraculous. It's the most amazing practice. If you're interested, Vedic meditation is definitely something that has really worked in my life, you know. Yeah, I actually did a Vedic course and that's what really got me, not not as a teacher but as a, as a student, and that is what got me actually into meditation because before I tried and I tried so many different methods and apps and um, and it wasn't until I did a proper course, and I often mention that on the, on the podcast here because I get a lot of questions about meditations and where to start, but I, I do think Vedic and, and doing a proper course and get a mantra, I love it. How about yoga? Did you do yoga as well in um, in India? I taught yoga and I practiced yoga and learnt yoga as well. I had finished my 200 hours, but I also went and did extra yoga. I had the most profound yoga experiences in India, actually. Some of the teachers there were absolutely incredible. It's a really beautiful place to go. It's a really interesting place to go as well, don't you think? I don't know if you've been there. Have you been no, there? I haven't. No, I haven't, but I've had a lot of Indian um, yoga teachers. It's on my list of dreams. It's uh, one place that I haven't been to yet. Yeah, I'm half Indian, so I guess I felt I found a very 
an affinity with it. I'm half English and half Indian. So when I went there, I, I, I loved a lot about it, you know, the food and the Ayurveda and the, the way of life there. But I'm 54 now, Christina. So I teach, I call it old lady yoga. Yoga that really gets into the joints and just very gentle. It, it's not that really full on yoga. It's very gentle and grounding, you know, Vata style yoga, which is more gentle, I feel, on the body as you get older. I think as you get older, the types of exercises that you do change a little bit. Obviously, you know, as well, you work on the inside as well. So obviously, number one thing is to work on the inside and then everything else kind of falls into place and you feel more sort of energized and ready to do other forms of exercise. But like you, I like walking as well and I, I kayak as well, which is fun. But I haven't been teaching lately because of COVID, but I do teach yoga as well. Mm, that's so nice. And yeah, I um, started to think because I do a lot of challenges. So I like to choose new habits for 66 days. So one new habit a quarter just to try different things and kind of push myself. It could be anything with health, but it's often health related because I'm really interested in that and not something that I'm working in. So it's kind of good to do. Um, and uh, for 2022, I'm actually thinking of pushing myself a little bit and actually do yoga daily for 365 days and it's very like it's not going to be like an hour full on every morning it's going to be you know it's going to be and it's going to be home or you know if I do class great but it's going to be simple it's more just to kind of have that because I, I love walking I could walk for hours but I do find sometimes the you know the yoga it's challenging because it's hard sometimes just to take that time um, while walking for me is like second nature because I've done it, you know, it's part of my life and I've always done it. And I like listening to an inspiring podcast or, or an audio book or sometimes just silence. But um, yoga definitely is something that I have to make an effort. And I think that's a good, good challenge. And I know how good it's just amazing because I've started practicing daily now just to see if I can do it. Because when I say something, I like to follow through. <laughs> and I also have a habit club where I other people are there. So I thought, I don't want to say I'm going to do it. And then after seven days, I'm just not going to, it's not going to be possible, but I'm on day 10. It just makes such a difference already, not just to my body, but to my, to my mind. So I think it's a really good challenge to have. So we'll see. You do notice, don't you, even just like putting on a pair of socks or bending down to get something, it's just a little bit easier when you have a regular yoga practice. The non-negotiable for me every day is Vedic meditation for 22 minutes. So I do 20 minutes of doing the mantra and then I do one minute of just letting it coagulate, you know, and just sitting in it. And then I do one minute kind of manifestation at the end. It's not really about wanting. It's just you just in the moment and you're doing that. And, and I found that's re really lovely as well. A beautiful practice. Thank you for sharing that. Before we finish off, I just wanted to ask something I noticed on your blog that you're quite passionate about changing the hospital food, <laughs> which I was so pleased to hear because that's one thing that touch wood, I, I haven't been in hospital, but I remember obviously giving birth to my children. I was kind of really blown away and also I've visited a few people over the years in hospital and I'm completely blown away what kind of food is served and not just this part of the world it's everywhere and it's often something that I'm like that just have to change so what are you doing on that because I love it because I'm sure there are lots of listeners who would feel passionate about that so love to hear a little bit about how you've gone about that because you did get some changes I believe yes I did I did a change.org um, campaign around that because my brother-in-law was in hospital and I just went in there and I noticed the food that was being served and literally pretty much everything on his plate was white 
there was absolutely no nutrition. And then I started thinking about it and seeing how I could make changes within that area. And so I started a little Facebook page and a change.org petition. And I petitioned the Minister for Health to really look at hospital food. And they did make changes, actually. They did incorporate some more menu items. And I think one of the biggest stops for it happening was budget. But there's been studies in England and there's been trials in England and Scotland, actually, in hospitals where they were buying more local and it was just as affordable as, you know, buying other sorts of food. So they were buying like local yogurt and that was working and and local foods. And so I think change on a major scale is happening slowly. But I also ask people to send me in photos of their hospital stays and food and it was just unbelievable. Some of the meals, they you couldn't even see what they were. They were just, there was a lot of white going on, a lot of processed foods. And when you think about hospital, it's so important for nutrition when you're recovering from Absolutely. surgery. Or, you know, it's, it, nutrition is so important and um, it wasn't really happening. I'm hoping that there will be even more change. It might be something that I'll I will do more in the future as well. I did it on a sort of a state level for New South Wales, but I'd love to do something bigger and broader and really see how we can make change. Mm, yeah. yeah, when you do, let me know. I would love to do whatever I can because that to me is just a no-brainer when you, you need to recover. You want you want good nutrition. And when I when I get birth my kids, which is obviously you're not sick, but I got you know, green smoothies brought in and I had my own food. I just, I just couldn't eat it. So yeah, if you do something, let me know. I love to support in any way I can. Oh yes. Yeah, so when I did petition the minister for health, I said, I'd like you to live off hospital food for five days. And she said, no, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be doing that. She said. <laughs> it's one thing to read it and see it from a distance, but actually experiencing it is very, very different. There's a quote that I absolutely love. And it says, um, if you hear it, you will forget it. If you read it, you will remember it. But if you do it, you will understand it. And I think that's really appropriate. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'll send it to you. It's a beautiful quote. And it always reminds me that we can read it and we can hear it, but actually taking action on the things that we want to learn, that makes all the difference. And I think that was really appropriate here. Yeah, definitely. I'm all about dreaming and my big dream is to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams and then go chase them because I feel like me just writing down my dreams in my early 20s just made such a difference. So I would love to know what dream you have in the future if you have one. My dream is to, it, my, my whole philosophy is less is more. So my dream is to live a simple life. I'm a minimalist and not to take too much from the planet and you know I'm not a taker I, I I like to give back so my dream is to just live a really simple life I love animals as well I obviously love my family too but I also love animals I've got a cat and a dog my cat just had three kittens I'd love to work more with animals and um, I'd also love to work um, continue working in nutrition and helping people but also want to I'd like to get more into trauma work as well and and into you know past trauma work through my meditation work and I'd love to do a Vedic meditation teaching course as well so that's something I dream about doing beautiful beautiful dreams and I have no doubt you make them happen and I'm looking forward to see that unfold before we finish up I would love to ask a couple of shorter questions do you have a morning routine and if yes could you please share it with us when I wake up the first thing I do is I meditate do Vedic meditation 
And then I always get up and make a cup of chai because I love my chai tea. And then I will feed the animals and then I try and go for a little walk and then I start work. And sometimes I do a bit of yoga as well. So it it involves the mind, the body, and then, yeah, it's all into work after that. But I do try and take breaks as well. So that's sort of my morning routine. Love that. What's your favourite nonfiction book? I love poetry. So there's a book that I've just carried around with me for years called The Metaphysical Poets. Um, They were poets out of the 17th century and it's all very beautiful and I love the metaphysical world and I love um, creativity and words and English and poetry. So I would definitely say a poetry book. Beautiful. I'm going to get that. Thank you, Alonso. For anyone listening, I'll share that in the show notes. Knowing what you know now, if you could give yourself some advice to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself? I think the advice that I would give myself is just trust the process, be more trusting. And I was searching, like I would I would love traveling and I was always searching for something, but the answer is really within. So, you know, just um, let go and trust the process. Really, really good advice. I wish we could do that all a bit more. Thank you so much, Lee. It's been so great to have you on. It's been on my list for a long time and I will enjoy all your books a little bit more now having had this conversation. And obviously for all our listeners, I'll list all the books because they're all great and your blog is amazing as well. So thank you so very much. And I look forward to meet you in person. I'll add you to my people to meet in person because I meet a lot of people (laughs) online, but you don't always meet in real life. Yeah, you will have to come up to Palm Beach. It's been so lovely to talk to you and I really appreciate you reaching out to me and um, being on your podcast. I can't wait to listen to it. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my, I am so inspired now. After a conversation like this, I just want to focus on my health dreams, to eat better, to move more, to be more mindful and to keep practicing my yoga. I hope you are as inspired as me and I hope you take some of these tips into the festive season because I know that that could be really stressful for some of you and if you could take some of these tips, I think you'll find you have a calmer and more enjoyable Christmas. If you go to Lee's website, you will find her super inspiring blog as well as a lot of yummy recipes and all her amazing cookbooks as well. They're all so great, but start with the one that you are drawn to the most. Have a wonderful week. I will be back next week and share why I think you should read one of my favorite books ever. I can't wait to share that with you. Until then, dream big. Dream big.